This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by High Performance Wash Systems. High Performance Wash Systems is the largest car wash distributor and supplier in the Rocky Mountain region, specializing in providing car wash equipment and supplies. From start to finish, they assist owners with building and maintaining their car washes. Visit hpws.com for more information. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is Henry Lopez, and my co-host, David Begin, is here today as well. And we are going to talk about the hiring process. We've done previous episodes on this topic. Specifically, we started with the recruiting part of the process. That was episode one of the How Car Washing. Then we talked about screening, and that was episode number three of the podcast. And onboarding, we dove into that whole process in episode number 23. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the training part of the process that initial training part specifically, and some best practices there, get David's inputs and insights on how he's doing it, how other operators are doing it, some of our thoughts on how to do this effectively. So today's episode is about the hiring process, specifically that initial training after you've onboarded an employee, where do you start to get them ready to operate the car wash, to greet customers, to be customer facing, all of those good things. So, welcome to this episode. David, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm at the World Headquarters here in Dallas, Texas, um, working with Henry. So, that's been fun. we got one microphone, so we're going to see how this goes. Yeah, we're Studio Studio Central here. Yeah, yeah. We didn't bring it a second. We're going to just try one microphone, see how, see how it runs, but uh, I think it'll be fine. But the, the training process is extremely important. We've talked a lot about that. Why do you think the training process or the the initial training is important? Well, it's critical to make sure that I think it touches on one of my key points, which I hate when I go and experience businesses is don't train people on my time, meaning my time as the customer. So that's one thing from a customer service perspective. That's the worst thing you can do is just throw people out there. I think we have a tendency sometimes, especially in this industry of saying or giving up on it. We have so much turnover. Sometimes we figure Ah, the heck with it. Let's not bother too much on training. Let's just throw them out there. They'll learn on the job. I think that's a big mistake. I think you would agree with that. And I know you agree with that. And other successful operators would agree that you have to invest in training. So there's the customer service reason why. There's the safety reason why. And we'll get into that component of it because at a car wash, we have significant safety concerns to worry about. And so we must train people at least in those aspects of the operation so they don't hurt themselves or hurt others. And and then it's, I think, as we've talked about, in fact, you and I were chatting about this earlier, David, that employees immediately kind of get a sense or a feel for how much you're willing to invest in them. And that in turn sets the tone for your operation. Yeah, we talked about um, the need to be able to train, but also the fact that when people sign on to a job, they're still not 100% convinced that what they did was correct. And so a good solid training curriculum for an employee kind of reinforces the fact they made the right decision and they can see a path forward 
and that keeps an employee motivated. And we, we see it happen all the time. In two or three months, an employee's performance and attitude starts dropping because it's not quite what they thought it was going to be. And when they sign on, they see a good, solid training program to help them develop the skills that are necessary to be successful in this job and other jobs. I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, it sets the tone for the type of organization that you are. It says, it signals that this is a professional environment and that we do things the right way here. And uh, people, I think what I've found throughout my career, David, and I think you, I know you agree as well, is that people really generally, our employees want to do the right thing. It's really a matter of whether we give them the ability, the tools, and the skills for them to do so. When we throw them at it and we don't give them the proper training, then I think we get what we deserve, which is that people don't know what to do. They resort to a common denominator, lower level, if you will, and bad habits get uh, replicated. And so those are the things we're trying to avoid. Yeah, de- definitely agree. Definitely agree. So, you know, and obviously the other reasons as far as you have a responsibility to that employee to make sure they're working in a an environment, they understand the culture, they understand the expectations, and they understand what their expectations are from a safety standpoint. So a couple of components that lead to us being able to create this environment, I think, and what you've implemented, David, and we've done so at our other businesses, is you have to have an employee manual. So that employee manual encompasses all of your policies and procedures. Uh, Some of it is administrative. Some of it has to do with how they do everything from requesting time off to scheduling to all of those things. This is how we behave in this work environment, how we interact with each other, what we are allowed to do or not to do, anything from can I carry a cell phone to you know, how do I take vacation time to how do I call in sick? All of that needs to be spelled out very clearly in a, an employee manual. And also then you have an operations manual. How do we do what we do here at the wash? How do we get ready to open? How do we monitor and maintain the POS system? What do we do if there's an accident? All of those things need to be spelled out to some degree in a manual. Yeah, and there is a difference between an employee manual and an operations manual. I think it's an important distinction. And when we first created our employee manual, the employee manual is kind of the legal obligations that we have to our employees. And it was actually created by an attorney. It was reviewed by an attorney. And it has a lot of legalese that talks about uh, right to work. So they have a right to work for us. They have a right to quit. We have a right to fire them um, if it's a right to work state. Uh, those types of things um, are in there, that there's no implied contract between you and the employee. Um, those are those are in the employee manual. And I think it's a, an important distinction that you keep the legal part of your employee manual separate from everything else. So if you decide, for example, to choose to give an employee vacation because you want to make that part of your policy, that you might want to make a decision whether that goes into the employee manual, it goes into an appendix in the employee manual, or it goes into the operations manual. Because you're not committing, you can decide to give them vacation, you can decide not to. It's not a, it's not a right that you're giving them. And so be careful where you put that. And um, my other recommendation is don't modify that employee manual. If you've had a legal team or an uh, HR counsel, for example, create it. Don't, don't modify that because then you can modify the tone and tenor and maybe some of the legal aspects of that employee manual. But uh, I'm a big fan of keeping that separate from the operations manual. 
Yeah, I agree with you. The only thing I would say to that, though, David, is that if all you heard there was, oh my gosh, I have to go spend money on an attorney, I hope that's not the takeaway. We certainly recommend that. That's what we've done. But what I've been told by attorneys is the worst thing to do is to have nothing at all written down. That at least if you've got something that is your stated policy, that's usually better. But to David's point where you can get yourself in trouble or better avoid trouble is by having an attorney have reviewed your manual. And of course, this is one of those things, as we've mentioned previously, that's state specific. So every state has its laws that are specific to that state. And so you have to make sure that you you have your manual that covers you specifically for your state and the type of employment laws that apply to you. Yeah, and those are, you know, most of the laws in employment law is state level. I mean, there is a, a overlying federal system, but I think the state system sort of overlays on top of that uh, for the most part. So they don't necessarily, they sometimes contradict, but the most, most times they don't. But the state laws are the ones that tend to get a little bit more um, rigid, I think. And uh, that's why you want to make sure that when you create an employee manual, it is specific to your state. There are em, uh, employee councils, employer councils that are out there. So if you're a small business and you don't have a dedicated HR person, uh, like in our state of Colorado, there's the Rocky Mountain Employers Council, which you can join for a certain amount of money. And it does give you a whole range of HR types of services, which includes employment manuals and access to attorneys if you need that and reviewing of your policies to make sure they're fair and equitable and that they do meet the state and federal laws. Yeah, that's a great resource. All right. So uh, the thing is, though, of course, you can't just throw an employee manual or an operations manual in front of a new employee and say, go at it and uh, good luck. I'll see you in an hour. There then has to follow some level of a curriculum or a path and a plan for how you're going to get this employee up to speed. And that's critical. Yeah. So you want to be able to create a curriculum or kind of a path for that employee. If they're hiring on as a tunnel attendant, for example, what's the training necessary for a tunnel attendant? And there's so much information to learn. That's one of the unique aspects of our industry is most people, if they go to work for a fast food restaurant, can pick up the pick up the process pretty quickly in a few days where it can take weeks and months for somebody to really get proficient in the car wash industry. And so having that curriculum is important and and being able to time when certain things are taught to employees. So you want them to be familiar with the operation initially, and then you want to determine, and we break our training up into days. So we have a 30 day training period, a 60 and 90 day training period and a 180 day training period. And we sort of expect our employees to be proficient at 180 days. So you want to determine what is it you want to teach them within these time frames, And then you want to, like, for example, we have a book that they keep track of. So they take a look at the 30 day training. And then after the 30 day training, they take a, an assessment test with the manager to make sure they know Things like when are you supposed to be at work? When are the hour, oper, uh, hours of operations? What are you supposed to do if a customer comes to you and complains about damage? Uh, some of those basic things. And then how to load, obviously, is one of the most important parts. But are they loading proficiently and correctly? And so we might include those in a 30-day training. And then we get more sophisticated where they would learn the point-of-sale system. They would start learning the equipment, how to name the equipment, what does it do, and they might learn some other tasks uh, as far as light maintenance is concerned. 
So about 90 days uh, on average for somebody to be fully proficient. But on average, how long is it taking you to bring somebody in from day one until they're able to load a car, let's say? What does that typically look like? Is that 30 days or so or less? We'll probably teach somebody within the first week. We won't try to put them in the tunnel the first week, but, but sometimes they end up in the tunnel in the first week. But we want to train them. We want them to watch how cars are loaded, and then we want them to demonstrate it to us. And so we get them to practice in other areas besides in the tunnel. And then at that point, then we'll put them in the tunnel with an experienced tunnel attendant or a shift leader to load cars. But that's a very important job. And it looks repetitive and boring to some people, but there's a lot of things that people have to pay attention to when they're loading vehicles correctly. Uh, looking for the for the misloads, looking for the cars that might not be appropriate to put through the tunnel, uh, looking for you know damage that they might be able to catch, and making sure they're doing the appropriate retrack. So there's a lot to that loading process, and you want to be careful how quickly you put somebody in the tunnel, and you want to give them all the training necessary beforehand, before you even put them in the tunnel, and then have somebody spend time with them and coach them as they're loading. I can see where it's it's easy to lose this discipline because you're you're desperate for employees perhaps and you're just rushing the process or again as we said at the outset you might have the belief that none of this matters this employee is not going to be with you very long anyway we don't adhere to that belief I don't think that's how you want to run a professional organization there are exceptions of course but I think you have to have a process. Who does the training typically at your washes? So we've got two people. We might have a senior shift leader do the training and it kind of rewards them for being, you know, a responsible and conscientious employee. We want you to take your experience and knowledge and train the new employees. And a lot of them really take advantage of that and jump on it. And, or the shit or the site manager will do some training as well. So it's kind of a tag team approach between two people but we always try to make it the responsibility of the employee to keep track of their training. Now that that's more not always successful at that because sometimes the site manager isn't checking that. But making sure the employee is responsible for their training puts the onus on them and gives them a responsibility of making sure that they're proficient. And I think that's that's an important part of this process as well. Excellent. This episode of the How a Car Washing is sponsored by. High Performance Wash Systems. High Performance Wash Systems is the largest car wash distributor and supplier in the Rocky Mountain region, specializing in providing car wash equipment and supplies. Serving the industry for over 50 years, they are a full-service provider assisting you with site selection, financial forecasting, obtaining financing, architect and general contractor selection, equipment recommendations, and follow-on support. From start to finish, they assist owners with building and maintaining their car washes. Visit hpws.com for more information. All right, so we've broken this down into some of the key components we think a good training curriculum or schedule should include. We think it should start with what your company's vision and mission is. You don't have to get too carried away with that, but make sure that your team of employees, everybody understands what it is that you're trying to do. What is your focus? Why why are we in business? And often, of course, that has to do with the customer. So make sure everybody's on the same page about that from day one. You don't have to spend a lot of time there. 
Really, at the end of the day, people are going to know if that's just lip service or if you really mean that by the way that you execute and behave on a daily basis, the way that you really manage your business. Then you have to have the compliance components have to be part of this. So safety and other things that fall under this category of compliance. You need to make sure you cover that in your training curriculum. Operations, of course, how do you do certain things? How do you open the wash? How do you close? How do you service different things? All of that has to be covered, at least initially, or to the level that you would expect a line employee or a starting employee to be competent at within a certain period of time. Customer service is a whole other section that you have to train people on, including, as David talked about, how to deal with an angry or dissatisfied customer and making sure that we've provided some skills and helped employees on how to deal with that. Most of our employees have never had any kind of formal training on something like that, right? They've just kind of been thrown at it. Maybe they've never been customer facing and now they are, especially, you know, regardless of the type of tunnel you have, but sometimes that only face is that person loading the vehicles. And so it might seem like David said very repetitive, but that's the face of your business often. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's such a challenge to find somebody who's really good at all of that, but uh, that's what our goal is, and that's what our challenge is as as employers of car wash workers. So making sure somebody has the proficiency to load properly and understands the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. So as you're going through this training, I think it's important to take everything back to what your mission is and what your purpose is and why we focus on loading the way we do and why we smile at the customer and why we make eye contact and why we wave and say thank you to them. Even though they can't hear us, they see us waving and saying the words thank you. Uh, so we have, do have that customer touch. And that goes back to your mission statement of trying to provide good customer service in an environment where there's not that, that's like you said, that customer interaction. It does make it challenging. And then getting people who can deal with customers. And, you know, customers are very spirited and emotional when it comes to their car washes, and that can be frustrating uh, for them and it's frustrating for our employees because they probably have never dealt with irate customers and and nowadays it seems like as you and i've talked about anytime you're working with the public um there's more and more of that we think so getting people to be able to deal with that so it doesn't become personal is a real challenge and training them to do that so they're happy and they're not feeling bad about themselves at the end of the day is critical for longevity in, in the car wash business. Yeah, and we're going to do a separate episode on that topic because it's such an important one, David. But but again, uh, you've often shared with me the feedback you've gotten from your staff and other operators that often employees fear that the most, the interaction with the customer, because they know typically, especially in the express model, that when a customer parks and gets out and comes to the office and they're not coming to buy an air freshener, it's not good, right? And so they're already cringing at the prospect of it. And in part, it's because they've never been given the tools or the skills on how to perhaps better deal that deal with that situation. But we'll come back to that in a separate episode. So again, the components we think at a high level that need to be part of your training curriculum is communicating that company vision, why you exist, safety and other compliance things, operations, customer service. And then if you're training uh, a leader or above, those management skill components as well probably need to be part of that curriculum. So that's at a high level, of course. Those are the components. Anything else we're missing there, David? No, I think uh, you know those components. And obviously, when you talk about operations, you're talking about maintenance. You're talking about understanding the equipment, knowing what to look for. That's a real skill set in and of itself. And 
that's really what I think keeps people interested is if you're hiring people who we talk about, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, what types of people are you looking for? If you're hiring people that are mechanically inclined, that are interested in the equipment, that's what kind of keeps them going and keeps their motivation is when they can start understanding and working on the equipment to keep it maintained and, and, and repairing it. All right, and then let's talk about certification and testing and assessment. In other words, making sure, A, that people are, are completing the curriculum and that they're uh, absorbing and digesting the information that they're getting it, that they're understanding, that they're learning. How do you go about doing that? Well, there's a couple of ways. If you're doing it uh, face-to-face training, then just you know doing a test later on, just asking, okay, well, what are our hours of operation? and getting them to repeat that back to you. Uh, So it could be information they need to memorize. It could be information they need to show you. So going online and showing me how to do a customer refund or a credit or looking up the last time a customer washed their car. So you have different scenarios that you want to create, for example, in your point of sale training that they would demonstrate it. And then um, you'd want them to demonstrate other things as well. So either repeating it back demonstrating it, or in some cases, where do you find information? So if you're required, uh, the fire department comes in and they want to see the SDS sheets for chemicals, where would you get those? And so in that case, they just need to know where those are located and they need, and how do you read an SDS sheet? So then you would go down and show them how to, you know, they would explain to you how to read an SDS sheet or where they could find information. So not necessarily memorizing an item, uh, not, uh, or demonstrating, but sometimes where can they go get the information will be the three common ways you'd want to check in an assessment environment. Great. And that, that leads us to then talking about how we actually facilitate and deliver this traditionally. And, and for the most part, including at your washes, this is often paper-based. It's a paper manual. It's, you know, you got to track this somewhat on paper, but what's emerging now, and I want to chat about that because we're heavily involved in it, is the emerging, really beyond emerging, the technology now that allows you to do a lot of this online, leverage e-learning, what's called e-learning platforms, so that we begin to use the benefits of that for things like self-pacing, tracking where an employee is, those types of things. So let's talk a bit about that and what we're doing in that area. Yeah, we're really looking at starting to create uh, online curriculums. Uh, we think that uh, is superior in many ways because it allows for self-paced training. I think one of the biggest challenges we have is not having time in the car wash industry to train people. So you, you hire an employee and it's a really busy day. You, you got to be focused on getting cars through the tunnel, not necessarily training a new employee. So that employee would obviously be shortchanged a little bit on their training if you're hiring them during a busy period. Plus, the other issue we see is inconsistency in training. So if you have multiple sites and you've got a curriculum on paper, the way that is communicated and the way that's transferred to the new employee can be vastly different between managers. And so the inconsistency sometimes creates problems. I can't tell you how many times I've heard an employee tell me, well, that's not the way they taught it at this location. And that's not the way I learned it at that location. And that's very frustrating for yeah, me. Well, that's not the way my other, the other site manager told me to do yeah. it. Right. Yeah. It's very, very frustrating to watch that. And, um, you know, because I always think things are being done consistently, but, but they're not. And then, um, 
you know, and, and then just making sure that, that they're learning what they're supposed to be learning. So that assessment process can be done differently between employees as well. And so self-paced online learning sort of addresses all of those issues in terms of making sure the training is very consistent, it's done consistently, it's engaging, and then you can immediately assess the knowledge that they developed, which means did they pay attention to what was being taught to them. And then you can track a curriculum. So after that, they can they can look at their curriculum online and what it is they're supposed to learn. And they can, they've got that path that they're seeing uh, into the future as far as their training is concerned. And plus, if somebody does struggle with a certain area, you can go back and retest, you can retrain them. And so sending them a video on a process to get them to retrain or reoccurring training, which is just as important, because there's so many things in the car wash environment that you might train somebody to do that they don't do very often. Like in our case, going from reclaim water to fresh water. It's a process of changing valves in a certain order. Going from the point of sale system to manually entering in the cars because the computer system broke down or shut down. But that's something you don't don't do that often. And so how do you train people to do things they don't do frequently so that they're proficient at it? Because when they've got to do it, they got to do it quickly and they got to do it right. And again, that's where online videos and reoccurring training comes into play. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's great stuff. And we're not saying that it completely eliminates the component of training that involves hands-on actually doing something. It complements that. But, but it really addresses all of these things that, that's worth repeating. The, the point you made about consistency is a huge one. Let's take an area like safety, for example, to be able to consistently deliver that training. And often what happens is maybe our site managers aren't necessarily the best trainers in all of these components. Or more realistically, like you pointed out, they're busy running the wash, right? So the level of consistency varies tremendously from one employee to the other, depending on when they came on board. They may have come on in the two weeks that you are, you know, busy nonstop, and that employee doesn't get the same level of training as the employee who came on when you've been down for three days, and there's plenty of time to be dedicated to that employee, right? So that consistency is key. And then from an owner, what I hear again and again from you and other operators, David, is that that lack of visibility as to who is trained, where are they in the process, how long is it taking us, why haven't we gotten the training done, those things become so much more transparent now that we're tracking them all online on an e-learning platform. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, you know, processes like safety training is a requirement. So OSHA does require us to do that. And if we ever had to go back and prove that we conducted safety training, do we have everybody sign in at the beginning of each meeting saying they received this training? Uh, there's a lot of holes in those processes that uh, online training fills for us so that if we are ever challenged as far as did you conduct safety training for this employee or these employees, it's very easy for you to pull them up. You can say they took this training on these dates. They took the assessment quiz and here's what they scored. So it makes it very easy for us to go back and prove the fact that we held up our end of the bargain as far as making sure that our employees are trained and trained to a certain standard. Great. We're, we're excited about this stuff and we're excited about implementing it at, at David's wash and the two washes and the one, the new one that we're building. If you're interested in more information on this, we'll be making announcements soon on it, but you can certainly contact us through the contacts page on the website at thehowofcarwashing.com. 
be more than happy to share more information on where we're at with developing those e-learning solutions. But without an e-learning solution, you still can have what we currently have in place, which is a solid, thorough, and consistent curriculum. That consistency, we keep repeating that. It's a path that you establish for your employees. Not only does it obviously result in a well-trained employee that creates a, a better environment all around, a safer environment, an environment that delivers better customer service, an environment where employees feel like you're investing in them. And then ideally and hopefully, and we've seen it, it results in better retention. So all of those things are a win-win when you invest in training people the right way. You have to believe that that's the type of operation you want, but that's all critical. You want to track that progress. And David also makes the point about making it succinct and simple so that people can actually absorb this. Don't, don't overwhelm people. And that's why he has this path of 30, 60, and 90 days increments so that we're not taking a fire hose approach to someone and then be surprised as to why they don't remember or don't perform. So you have to break it up. There needs to be a logical path to this training. That applies in any business in my experience, but particularly here where you have some complex components to the operation. So we've talked about what we think makes up a good curriculum. Uh, those components, again, having making sure you're educating and sharing your mission, your, your vision for your business. There's the safety and compliance component. There's the operations component, which encompasses a lot of different things. There's customer service that includes different subtopics as well as we talked about. Management skills for those employees that are going to be in, in a leader position or above. And then having that consistent tracking, make sure that we're delivering all of this as consistently as possible. All right. I think we've talked about that uh, fairly exhaustively. Any last thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, it's a tough subject. It's hard to do. I mean, what we've just described takes weeks of work. I mean, it's just very, very difficult to do. I think that's why Henry and I saw an opportunity maybe to help. And it's tough for the smaller car wash operators, the ones that have five or less units. Once you get above five to 10 units, you can start hiring the people. You can have a dedicated HR person or a dedicated trainer. But it's, it's tough on the people that don't have a ton of units. So, you know, we see an opportunity maybe to help out and augment that uh, through training. So we're excited about that. And um, this is something you got to keep plugging away at. You got to create that operations manual. You got to create that employee manual. This all really needs to be done to have a good, solid, and successful business. So, um, take it seriously, and I think it will make a difference in paying dividends from your employees' satisfaction, motivation, safety. If you have nothing right now, I would submit to you that you want to at least have a good employee manual that you consider, as David said on the outset, that you have that reviewed by an attorney so that it covers you there. A lot of us probably have some kind of an operations manual, but it's probably gathering dust somewhere and you may not use it actively in your training. So my suggestion would be if you're in that situation to at least create, even if it's a one page checklist on the major areas on which you're going to train an employee and then at least use that as a, as a path mechanism, as a tool to ramp up a new employee. That would be a good place to start in my opinion. All right. Very good. So, we focused on this and we've mentioned this in previous episodes on this topic of hiring that it is a process, that it does not end obviously when we make the hire or we screen someone and decide to hire them. We started with recruiting, we've talked about screening, we've talked about onboarding, which is all a process in and of itself. 
And then now we've talked about this initial training. The next episode that we record and and share with you on this subject will be about ongoing coaching and training because that's the other mistake I think we've observed in all types of businesses is that we think that the initial training is it. And then for various reasons, we never come back to it. And the reason it's so important, especially in a car wash operation, is that people forget or there might be something that's done infrequently. But beyond that, how do we help our leader employees coach others to improve? So that'll be the next in this series on hiring. Any last thoughts? Nope. Just take it seriously and um, you can let us know if you have any issues or questions. Be happy to help you where we can. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hour of Car Washing. You can find uh, the details and additional notes on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofcarwashing.com. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the How of Car Washing. And thanks to our show sponsor, High Performance Wash Systems. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com for the show notes to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.